Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast today is provided by the artist Friend of Yours. Go check their stuff out on SoundCloud. This is a podcast where we dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song Knock You Down by Carrie Hilson featuring Neo and Kanye West pop? This is episode two of our show, and I have my co-hosts Chris and Stefan with me again. How are things going tonight? Hello. Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, just uh, calling in again over Skype. Um, good to see your guys' faces uh, digitally while well, we all can't physically. Yeah, I'm doing good as well. Uh, I've been walking outside a lot, waving to neighbors. I feel like I'm 70 years old. I think people are starting to recognize me. This is not something something that you know somebody who's 25 should be doing, going around the neighborhood and acquainting with neighbors, but that's where I'm at right now. I think that it's just like we're going uh, back in time. I'm playing a lot of video games, playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Uh, there was a psych marathon today. They were doing like a stay at home. You guys remember that show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Vaguely. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of witty. He's a, he's a fake psychic, but he solves crimes. Uh, Corbin Burnson is the dad. Uh, pretty funny, uh, too. So we watched that you know, all th- day today. I think this is like, our entire generation just discovered the value of walks at the same time. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty, I mean, they're, they're nice. I, I had a head start due to the whole dog thing, but other than that, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be going outside very much if, uh, if it weren't for that. So, um, yeah, I look forward to my walks every day. I'm like, let's, yeah. let's go on a walk. Let's go on a walk. It is like, I feel like a dog at times in that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean dogs I they social distance from other dogs all the time because they're they pumped up by their, you know, owners unless the owners are there. So the few chances they get to go outside and see other dogs, they take full advantage of it. And this whole crisis has really shown us kind of what it's like to be a dog. <laughs> yep but with no treats no yeah, treats no no treats, <laughs> no, no treats the at opposite all. of treats <laughs> yeah so we got some more dog talk in uh which was a, a big course. hit last time so we'll, we'll try to keep the dog talk up as as much as we can so let's kind of hop into things uh we had a great song to break down today for everyone uh of course for legal reasons we cannot play the song here uh but we want you to go please listen to it wherever you choose to listen to music we want you to support the artist and to get a feel for remembering this song. And on the other side, we will break down our memories surrounding this song, history, production, lyrics, and we got a couple new segments to debut as well. So we'll see you on the other side. We want to break down some of our memories with the song. I'm going to kick it over to Stefan first for this one. Give me your first memories about Knock You Down. Um, I'll start off with a pet peeve of mine. This song is embedded in my brain as Knocks You Down because that's what she sings. And it really grinds my gears. I I always think of the song as Knocks with a plural you down. I listen to it frequently over the past few years. And when I did the research for the song, kind of diving into it, I'm like, ah, shit, it's actually knock you down. <laughs> yeah, Singular. I had to like look several times. I had to look several times and be like, is it knock you down or knocks you down? 
she might have sang both. She probably did in the song, but Noxy Down just sounds better. Um, but yeah, that's a huge pet peeve of mine. I don't understand the decision they made, but they made it. Um, in terms of actual memories about the song, I think of this as like a summer pop hit from early high school. I think it dominated the charts that summer. It was just everywhere. Kanye's verse is iconic. Uh, Neo did a great job. And Carrie Hilson, she killed it. So all three, I think you had a triad of perfection leading to just what is a quintessential summer hit. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lines in this song where you just go, oh yeah, that that's one that I say even to this day about... You know, the I won't spoil some of them, but I'll, I'll get to some of them too. But the, it, it is really those lines that you're like, okay, these are iconic and make sense too. Mm-hmm. Um, big summer song. I feel like I get this on my For You on Apple Music a lot because I listen to a lot of the same artists uh, that are featured in the song. So when I get that, I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to blast this as loud as we can and, and scream and whoa and talk about, um, you know, those different type of things. Yeah, I definitely, um, definitely on the same page of y'all with it being a summer song. I think the other thing too, um, this was right around the, this was, so this was, um, this was 2009, late 2009. um, And so this was around the end of the decade and very much is kind of, uh, kind of characterized by that feeling for me. I mean, this was around the time, um, I remember it was, uh, it was like I got a feeling was still pretty big, but Meet Me Halfway was was what we were moving into at that point. Um, everything that everything that ended up in DJ Earworms mix that year, this song included. Um, all those songs kind of did have a like triumphant kind of finale type feeling, um, and th- so this definitely gives me memories of that. I am. Oh, I forgot about DJ Earworm when, when you brought that up. He's uh, still going. Yeah, I loved it. I loved his mixes, so that makes sense that this one would be in it. Well, and I, I mean, because at that point, this was he was very strict. I remember being a being like kind of a chart nerd at the time. Like he was very strict about it was the twenty five biggest songs of the year according to Billboard, like numerically. And I remember that used to be part of the thing. Like, oh, oh, geez, what's what's going to be the top twenty five? Like, and I mean, this was big enough. Like you said, this was everywhere that summer. Um, Number fifteen for the year. Oh yeah, there you go. I remember my the oh eight one was my favorite. Actually, Uh, I think that's the one that (laughs) had uh, that had uh, Viva La Vida. Yes, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, that that was the the very like uh, breakdown of it. I'll tell you what, though, um, the other thing to me is that um, and we kind of I um, I think we I think we spoke about this all, like informally about the song. But the um, this was a this was a really interesting transition period for Kanye um, in particular. Uh, obviously, Carrie Hilson is the one who this is her song. Um, Neo had a very important role to play, but, you know, this is this is right near the end of kind of the first era of Kanye before um before my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and when he really turned to kind of art um <laughs> we'll talk about that i mean he's even in the music video painting but um you know like he like he really went head first into the art world and that's one of the things that this reminds me of is like this is one of the last times i remember seeing Kanye featured on a pop hit and thinking well yeah that makes sense like, you know, like Kanye as a pop rapper is like one of the 
this is the end of an era for that as well. Um, not objectively, but just one of the ones that I remember it for. Yeah, Kanye. We, we all, all three of us like Kanye very much. So uh, don't maybe agree with everything he has to say 100% of the time. But with terms oh, yeah. of music and eras and influencing, we'll probably end up breaking down uh, more than one or two Kanye songs uh, before this is all said and done. But yeah, I I agree completely with you, Chris, that this was his like, you know, kind of at that point, the highest that he had kind of gone with pop in that way where it is a true pop song. Maybe E do you think E. T. was the last pop feature he had? You know, that was that's what kind of two points there, yes, because the distinction that I want to make is pop feature. I mean, he did have I mean, Heartless was like a year before this. And then um, after the fact, uh, Power was to an extent pretty big and run away. But not to get too far into that, I, I don't think it's necessarily the last by either means. E.T. probably was the true end of that of that era. I mean, from that point onwards, even just a Kanye feature, much less on a pop song, became much more of a rare and almost an event thing in and of itself. And E.T.'s not, it's not my favorite song in the world, but it was one of those that was big it's when it good. came out. Yeah, and, you know, not not the best lyricism, maybe, uh, from Kanye, but he still was on the pop song in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any, any other thoughts that you guys have uh, regarding this song? Like you said, it's 2009, so a year later, well, less than a year later than what Live Your Life was, but I know Chris will get into it, but even different production, different lyrics, different everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, just a great pop song, and I think all three artists really shined in the roles they had to play. And there was a lot of star power on this track. Um, if you think about pop songs now, I don't think you get two major features from two huge artists like Neo and Kanye um, did. Say, Carrie Hilson. That's kind of a that's kind of a thing that was more of its time in it, like just a real big, like grandiose pop, like almost almost story, you know, in being a pop song. It's like an maybe. opera, like a pop opera. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Popra. I mean. Basically, um, basically so. I uh, yeah, I think that's one one of the biggest things about it is this was very much a moment of a pop song, and I don't think one that we appreciated enough at the time, frankly. Like, I think this was coming um, again. Like, this was definitely in a very transitional time that didn't feel that much like a transition at the time. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. End of the decade coming up and everything mm-hmm. too, and different eras for each of the artists too going forward, in my opinion. Well, Stefan, we want to kick it over to you for some of our culture surrounding this song. So go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Anthony. So this is 2009. We'll take the time machine back. Zoop, we're 11 years back. I want to dig into the background around Carrie Hilson. I think we discussed a bit about Kanye, but she was kind of rising at this time and this was her peak. So I'll just go into kind of what led her there. Prior to um, this album, which was her debut album, it was called The Perfect World, dot, dot, dot. So prior to this, she kind of spent the decade as a backup vocalist for huge artists like Usher, Kelly Rowland, Ludacris, and uh, she actually dabbled in songwriting a lot. Some of the songs she received credit for include Omiron's Icebox, Britney Spears' Gimme More, great Britney hit, and Ciara's Like a Boy. 
and all three incredible songs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So she was in the pop world before this song ascended to the top of the charts. And she also um, kind of appeared in music videos. We'll touch on this later, but she played a major role in Neo's Miss Independent video, which appears in the lyrics. I'm sure Anthony will dive into that. That will come up later. But she was basically in the pop world in terms of cameos, in terms of songwriting, even dabbling in producing alongside other producers. So she leads up to this debut album. I think the year before, she actually co-wrote and was featured in a Billboard smash, The Way I Are, with uh, Timbaland. What do you guys think of that, about that song? Well, well, that just whenever I think of Timbaland, I always just think of the the Jay Z him in the studio with Jay Z. If if no one's ever his seen head, that, like... yeah, if no one's ever seen that before, he, he it is so funny. Just look up, uh, yeah, look up Timbaland, uh, Jay Z, and he he's bobbing his head and he's literally like drinking out of a jug of water. Uh, it, it's pretty funny. So whenever I think of Timbaland, uh, I think of that too. Uh, the way I are is. is is a great song. Timbaland is a pop genius in, in my opinion. He anything he touched during this time turned to gold. So the fact yeah. that Carrie Hilson was involved with that uh, is, is a huge testament to uh, Timbaland. And I know Chris will get into it, but Timbaland did executive produce the album to th- mm-hmm. this one. So kind of that into the getting into the mainstream and into the spotlight instead of being the backup dancer and backup vocalist literally that's kind of the cool thing yeah i mean and i i will be the first to put it out there that we definitely need to do a full episode on the way i are because that that is that is a incredible moment in an incredible moment that was um timbaland's shock value but um I mean, yeah, as you kind of mentioned, you know, Timbaland executive produced in a perfect world and he had, um, you know, as a result, had an executive uh, producer credit on um, Knock You Down and just in general. I mean, this was released on his label. Um, like you said, this was definitely around the time that Timbaland's um, Timbaland's second peak of influence after the after the mid 2000s, early 2000s um, really was. you know he he his mark was on this song i guess and um (laughs) you know i remember at the time like with not to get ahead of you but um but yeah like the at the time it was like okay the way i are turning me on knock you down like carrie carrie hilson is going to you know she's on her way up there's helium she's rising yeah yeah so yeah I, i when i think of the way i are I'm not sure if anybody else has this memory. I think of a McDonald's commercial. It it, yes. it was in a McDonald's yeah, commercial. There's roller skating. They're in a derby rink. And I think it's very two thousands thing to do is, yeah, is, it, is going to the roller rink on a Friday night. Or even remembering commercials. Like I, I don't remember <laughs> commercials now. I we stream, yeah, right? That's a like, good point. But this commercial was everywhere and that song was in it. So that kind of shows its mass appeal. But great pop song in its own right, and Chris is right, we should do an episode on it. We'll put that in the list. So as I mentioned, Carrie Hilson is gaining pop stardom. She wasn't exactly coming up from nowhere. She was dabbling in backup vocals, cameos, etc., producing even. So this leads her to her debut album, The Perfect World, dot, 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 um, and Knock You Down. Now we're finally getting to the song. This is actually the fourth single from the song. Uh, the first three were Energy, Don't Remember, Return the Favor, Don't Remember, Nope. And turning me on, which Chris mentioned, I do remember that. 
Yeah, but not everyone does. My my uh, girlfriend didn't didn't recognize it. Or I was she's like I've never heard this song, and I was like this is this was the first Carrie Hilson song I I remember actually before Knock Knock You Down. I I vaguely remember Energy being a free Starbucks single. I think that makes complete sense at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but turning me on, I think it peaked at number fifteen. It did not reach the heights of. Uh, Knock you down. I have to always remember knock, not knocks. Knock you down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, it was a pop song in its own right. This album was fairly successful, especially for a debut album. As we mentioned, Carrie Hilson is rising, rising. She's about to get to her peak. So, the biggest tie this song has to historical moments. It's definitely interwoven with Michael Jackson. And when I think of this song, as I mentioned, I've put it in multiple playlists over the years. I always circle back to it. And when I hear Kanye's lines about Michael Jackson, I'm like, 2009, this song was definitely like written after the fact MJ had died and it's kind of a cash grab, you know, just mentioning Michael Jackson. But researching this song, it's funny that this song was written before he died and it actually peaked at number three the week he died, days before he died. So the king of pop, Michael Jackson, died when a song that was like playing major tribute to him was number three on the billboard chart and i found that kind of poetic kind of strange kind of uncanny Um, but i'm wondering if you guys kind of remember this coming before or after his death to me it was just like a cash grab at the time but looking back i was wrong i think we always think about when michael jackson did die it was one of those things where it's one of those people you're like i remember where i was i was i was at my house and my mom turned on the tv and it was michael jackson's dead and you're like what? No, that that can't be. Yeah. And so I think it was one of those that you can't believe it, but you remember when it was. So, and it is kind of weird to think that it was right around that time that he would have written it before and then he did die and it, it peaked it what it did. I mean, I think the um I think the craziest part of that is how difficult it is to like I guess it, it it's not it, it at the time it wasn't surprising that they were talking about Michael Jackson. You know, he was completely relevant up until he passed. I mean, absolutely. What I remember people I remember still talk time, this day about Michael Jackson negatively and that. positively. But, well, yes, but I mean, there's, there's a whole other podcast for that. <laughs> there's still that. shows about him. There's still all that. Not only that, you remember, you know, like Kanye in particular had basically just. Um, you know, he, he'd just come off, not in, not directly, but two years before um, sampling PYT on Good, on Good Life. Um, just in general, Kanye's entire career was heavily influenced by Michael Jackson. Neo, heavily influenced by Michael Jackson, spoke as much about it pretty often. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone involved in this song wasn't to some degree touched by Michael Jackson. And I don't think that... I, I feel like recording this, no one thought twice about referencing him just because he was that iconic. Um, in the same way, like, you know, um, you know, several years later, but when, uh, when Kobe passed away, I mean, there was, there are millions of songs, um, talking about him. Another person Kanye, Kanye really liked too. And exactly. Well, any, I about, mean, well, yeah, but it's kind of the same type you know? of thing too. Yeah. It's, well, that's the thing is like, it's you you know lines start to get blurred because you're like oh yeah i mean it it can seem like a cash grab after the fact just because it became it became such an influx but it never really petered off 
No. And people talk about, like you said, people talk about him to this day. With Kobe, I think it'll be the same effect. But I just remember, like, immediately after he died, like, thinking of, like, a dozen or so songs with lyrics referencing him. Stefan, do you think then that after Michael Jackson, you know, passed away, that this helped keep this song within the top? It was within the top ten, I believe, for a long time after that. That's absolutely correct. So, as I mentioned, the song was released on April 7th as a single, debuting at 65. So it was kind of, you know, around pop radio. It peaked June 20th. Michael Jackson died June 25th. So it peaked at number three, but that didn't necessarily meant that it stopped at number three. It was teetering between three and four on the chart until August and wouldn't drop out of the top 10 until September. So it was basically a summer hit all the way through. And I think it's absolutely fair to assume that Michael Jackson's death kind of kept this at the forefront of the public conscious. Uh, You know, Kanye's verse about now I'm mad, real mad Joe Jackson. Now I'm bad, real bad. Michael Jackson um, kind of, you know, was pretty memorable, especially in light of him dying right around this time. So it definitely had that staying power. And it resulted, as we mentioned earlier, number 15 in the year-end chart without ever reaching number one. That's pretty it's pretty telling actually. And that was between our freshman and sophomore year, all all three of ours freshman and sophomore year summer anthem. Yeah, so if you think about it like this is a lot of time you're spending in the car, a lot of time trying mm-hmm. to get away from parents, it's on the radio. It's going to be in your head. It was in my head constantly, I'm sure. Anybody oh, yeah. listening to this is in the same boat. I remember um this being one of those songs, you know, like I am I I will never be ashamed to admit that I'm a shower singer. Like, this is one of those songs where, you know, you're just like, you, you knew every single part of it. Like, And it was really neat because you had three very different parts. So if you had three people in the mm-hmm. car or something, mm-hmm. everybody could assume their role. I know oh, yeah, uh, I true. did that plenty of times. Yeah, definitely. We definitely did that. Yeah, so what what type of things was, was this song kind of nominated for, Stefan? Uh, different type of stuff. Sure, yeah, because it was a major hit of the year, it ended up getting a few or a Grammy nomination for the song. Um, The song was nominated for the best rap song collab in the 52nd Grammy Awards in 2010. It did not win, but do you want to take a stab at what collaboration did win that year? It's 2010. Song is probably from 2009. Mm, Kanye song, right? Kanye's in it. Correct. That's correct. Uh, He's a feature. I'm going to go with Run This Town. You are correct. Run This Town, Jay-Z. Okay. Yeah, I I would not have guessed that. Run This Town was a great song, too. Great. That's yeah. a deserved one, too. Kanye, I'm telling you, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about about how he was what he was doing around this time. Yeah, that that's definitely um, in the can for a future episode. So I, I mm-hmm. think stay tuned if you are liking these songs we're mentioning. Uh, but yeah, Carrie Hilson, like we said, she's ascended to pop stardom. This debut album's pretty big. She has two pretty successful singles. She was nominated for the Best New Artist Award. I don't think she won. But yeah, she received two Grammy nominations off of it, which is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Especially back then. It's a little bit different now with the Grammys, but back then. Yes, especially the Best New Artist category. (laughs) Um, But just some quick hits on Neo and Kanye. I think we've touched on Kanye a bit. Neo would continue having great features. After this song came out, he would be on Be On You uh, with Flo Rida. I liked that song. Not necessarily a huge chart topper. Give, I like that one. That was I great. Like that one. A great catchy tune for Homecoming. 
And then uh, Give Me Everything, which went number one. I think that's a fabulous song. (laughs) That one, speaking of dances, yeah, that was, I remember hearing that before my junior, it was junior, senior prom. Uh, It was definitely a prom, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, what is this song? And I was like, maybe they'll play it tonight. Like, I was feeling like, you know, maybe people don't know about it. And it was huge. So, of course, they played it. I think they played it twice, even. Yeah, so Neo kept going. I think the last like really great feature he was on was Let's Go, Calvin Harris. And that was quite a few years ago now. So Neo's kind of dropped off a bit. But we'll st- he was a major pop artist oh, yeah. for a few years. It's been a while, but I'll always remember him for his fedora-wearing smoothness. Always- I think you're, I mean, you're forgetting a song, too. She Knows with Juicy J. That, that one was big on the radio, that too. That did get big. That was pretty big, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No, well, great ad. You know, all the way back to So Sick in 2005. Like, he had a run. He did. It was nothing to sneeze at at all. And uh, we'd welcome him back with open arms. Anytime. Anytime. Um, And as as Chris mentioned, this was kind of a transitional period for Kanye. He was writing 808s and Heartbreak. The fourth single from that album, Paranoid, was released like two weeks before Knock You Down was released. So after that, he kind of stopped promoting that album and moved to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and is still chugging along, releasing many albums to this day. Carrie Hilson is 37 now, which is crazy to believe. And you're looking back, and this is a person who worked really hard to get where she was with her debut album. It was successful. She had a modestly successful second album, and then after that just dropped off the map. I think she had a feature here or there, but it wasn't really that special in terms of success. So I think it's unfair that she was stripped of an everlasting career. And when we look back, Knock You Down was probably the highlight of her career to this point. Absolutely. That was a great breakdown, Stefan, of the history and culture surrounding that. And we hope that she can come back and you'll be relevant again too all right chris let's throw it over to you let's get some breakdown about the production and what's going on with everything that we hear behind these vocals yeah absolutely so um i mean i think the biggest i think the biggest thing uh to point out which you've already pointed out is that she does have both writing credits and co-production credits um on this song she uh she's a trained pianist um who you know, was able to kind of parlay that into songwriting ability. Um, she she pro- co-produced this song with Danger, who is a very well-known record producer. I mean, at this... Uh, Would you say Danger time, or Danger? I said Danger. Oh, okay. D-A-N-J-A. Oh. Um, so he's... So, you know... His name is uh his name might seem flashy, but we're talking about the guy who gave us promiscuous, say it right, sexy back, what goes around comes around, my love, um, Earth Intruders by Bjork, which, <laughs> and um uh, and also co-produced half of the songs on Shock Value by Timbaland, and produced Gimme More, Break the Ice, and also Sober by Pink. And four minutes. That is a very wide range of genre sounds. That is just within vibes. the years surrounding Knock You Down. I was going like, to say, that's... leading up, you you, <laughs> I, you said all those songs. I'm like, Timbaland, Timbaland, Timbaland. And I was like, 
Okay, maybe like an, not an apprenticeship, but a partnership in a way, it seems like. Yeah, they were definitely frequent collaborators. Um, so he did uh, he did come up under Timbaland kind of as an apprentice um, in the in kind of the early 2000s. And he really got his break working with Britney Spears um, in her early days. Um, the especially especially when uh, when she was still working with the Neptunes, he kind of bridged the gap between Timbaland and the Neptunes. Now, um in terms of knock you down specifically, um, I mean, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good, um, it's a pretty good example of kind of, again, I keep saying that this is a transitional time, uh, for music in in pop music in particular, but, um, it's a good example of, you know, we're halfway between the sounds of the two thousands and the 2010s, um, particularly the latter and early half of each of them. Um, so it's a, so it's kind of a mid tempo, um, hip hop drums similar to live your life. It's, um, it's using, um, using 808s, not necessarily in the same fashion that would end up being used in the 2010s. It's a, it's the same, um, it's the same tone on the kick drums. Everything's much more, um, everything, everything's pretty, uh, mid range or higher in terms of mixing, but, um, but it does have the, those late 2000s brass uh, strings, those uh, orchestral tones that really give it its euphoric feel. So this is in G minor. Um, you may not know, you may not realize that from how um, up-tempo it sounds and how, you know, uplifting it sounds. But I mean, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty simple chord progression. Um, lots of, uh, lots of variations on the percussion, um, throughout the song. One of the most notable things for me is, uh, how the hi-hats pan. Now those are definitely kind of predicting trap in the next decade, but, um, again, kind of, kind of still living in the drum kit sounds of the time. Um, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those sorts of instrumentals that really, um, really kind of sinks into the background of a song like this. I mean, it's very clearly meant to be, um, to be built around the vibe that the singers are going off. And I really think in particular, like, you know, whether or not this is specifically how she chose to write it. Um, but it's very much, it's very clearly built around a main piano melody. Um, I, I suspect that that's just due to her songwriting bona fides. I mean, she is a she is a pianist. She is co-credited with Neo Kanye and um, and a few others, including Danger, as a songwriter. But um, you know, this definitely is in the this, this is in the same vein of the sort of work that she shines on. Um, I think uh, I think it's one of those songs too that lends itself really well to any sort of acoustic performance or any sort of uh, stripped back performance. I mean, you can pretty clearly like you can pretty clearly tell where the production was kind of geared toward the radio at the time. Um, but it, I mean, you can, you can also imagine any of them kind of singing it alone at a piano. Um, in, in that way, it's a pretty timeless pop song. Um, like I said, this definitely always kind of brings me back to that period, you know, right at the end of the decade and it being a little bit of a nostalgia, uh, point. Um, I, yeah, I, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing that that um, that was trying to happen in terms of uh, in terms of the composition here was just to provide a showcase. You spoke to that point of it being able to be stripped down 
tournament acoustic version. And that just made me think of Jason Mraz singing this song, which doesn't quite that, make yeah, wait, sense on paper. But did I that think happen it, for real? Or, or you no, it didn't happen, it. but I, oh. I think it could well, work. Well, I want that. I want that. Yes, now, now I want it too, yeah. I mean, this was like, you know, now as you say that, this was like right around the time that I'm Yours started being everywhere for two years straight. Yeah, I want some like uh, <laughs> Jason Mraz type to sing to me around a bonfire. With him Completely. with scatting and everything? Yeah, you know, like one of those oh, yeah. white guys with long hair that does it completely unprovoked. They just grab a guitar and sing it. I think this song is perfect for that. They can borrow Neo's fedora that he wears, too. That's where that's where that fedora has lived on. Yeah. So, Chris, we're talking about stripped down, but I think part of the, the, the part that I love the production is that there are, like, some kind of crazy hi-hats and everything. That That's what I love mm-hmm. when those really kick in, too. Can you talk about how that really, like you said, drives the lyricism in the song? So I, I I don't necessarily say that I would say that the percussion is driving it here. I'd say that it's embellishing on what the chords are driving, but the chords, um, the chords are a really, they're very catchy. I mean, it's three chords with a variation on the fourth um, G minor. It goes, and it goes from uh, it goes from an E flat to an F to a B flat E flat F G minor, just a nice little circular kind of progression that um, kind of carries you forward. I mean, in this case, like it's very much a uh, it's very much a song that's talking about love and talking about the intense emotions surrounding it. You almost get kind of pulled upwards as these chords progress. They basically go up the scale um, and then circle back in, but because they're circling from a G to an E it's not, it's not far enough of a leap. Plus they share, um, they share some, uh, root notes, um, that it, it feels, it, it just ends up feeling circular. It doesn't feel like you're, it doesn't feel like you're regressing at all. It just feels like you're kind of continually moving forward and upward. Um, I will say though, um, the, when the percussion drops in, especially in the middle of the verses, um, it always does so after a section without it, um, where you're really emphasizing the strings, the brass, um, and more importantly, the vocals. When it does drop in, it kind of kicks the, the verse into the second gear, you know, um, again, kind of bringing it into like a breathless, like, you know, I, I can't, I can't stop talking about this, like sort of emotion. Um, I mean, it's very much one of those songs that, uh, and it's ironic that the name of the song and the main lyric is knock you down because as she's saying that she is descending the scale, but behind her, the, the chords are continuing to just go up and up and up and up. Oh, she's, uh, she's, uh, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I mean with, uh, it being built around a songwriter type style because, it's it's very much built around the same section of a keyboard. Um, you're it's sharing the it's sharing the um, it's sharing the G and the E flat mostly. Um, it's it's sharing a very a very singular section and allowing whoever's playing it to really focus on vocal embellishments that do a lot of work without treading too much ground. And requiring the hands to move too far, um, it's yeah, it's it's a deceptively simple kind of trick that allows it to really feel like it's expanding and doesn't stop expanding. That makes sense. 
Anything else you want to add, Chris? I will say, um, in terms of just giving it back, uh, giving it a listen back, especially in kind of the context of everything that's happened since in pop music, this is definitely one of those songs where you could hear it. You could possibly hear it with maybe the exception of the horns and the synth stabs that do sound a little bit 2000s, late 2000s, like kind of pre-EDM era. With that, with the exception of that, you could definitely imagine this coming out today in some form. Um, and I really think that does speak to how timeless the the songwriting is. All right. We'll get to more of that at, at the end, too. But I'm glad that you brought that up. So we've heard about the history. We've heard about the production. So that leads into my part with the lyrics. And there, there are quite a few lyrics to actually break down. One of the things to kind of think about to start is that this song was actually recorded uh, between 2006 and 2009. So I don't know exactly when it was recorded, guys. Uh, but when I was looking it up, oh, wow. this is the that's when everything was getting recorded for the album as a general. So this could fall in, depending, could be 2006, which when you think about Neo, that was, you know, so sick time with him and with Kanye, it was actually right after late registration to 2008, which would be after Miss Independent, hint, hint, uh, I think that's when it might have been written uh, with Neo, uh, but also maybe right around the same time with Kanye going into 808s and Heartbreak, his Mom died. He ended up, you know, breaking up with his fiance at the time, too. So kind of telling to what they're looking at with those type of lyrics and everything, too. Uh, and I actually had my notes here, too, that Neo had Year the Gentleman uh, went platinum, actually, in that time. So that that is what Miss Independent was on. Actually didn't do as well uh, as his preceding album, but still, you know. Over a million album sales is, is huge at any time uh, when you're looking at it, especially today, actually. So first lyric I'm going to break down will be actually the first part. So if you guys remember and if you've listened to, you know, that Kanye starts off with a little, you know, breakdown, little little couple bars that goes into Carrie Hilson, then Neo, then Kanye and Carrie Hilson again. So the first one will be that uh, line from Kanye. And again, these are going to sound very white, but I think kind of adds to the charm of it. He says, whether you Louis Vuitton up or Reeboken, uh, I liked that line always too. It's a good little yin and yang type of thing, actually. You know, Louis Vuittons are, of course, high, high end. The Reebok at that time might have been seen as more low end. I actually think now... Reebok might even be the lowest of ends. You have, I think Rick Ross actually does some fashion stuff with Reebok as well. I'm, you know, I just realized something. My, this entire time, I thought it was Louboutin, like Christian Louboutin, which is another shoe. Also high fashion. I, I don't know if it's Louis Vuitton. No, it's Louboutin. Yeah, so actually that that's one of the lyrics that you think is Louis Vuitton, but it's Louboutin. But still, Jesus Christ, God. yeah, high end, low end, actually, <laughs> just goes, maybe proceeding yeah. uh, to some of the Christian values uh, of Kanye, <laughs> actually. But and in Run This Town, he mentions about pushing a Rav Four. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So that's another low end. Car, yeah, what did you say? You I push the. Uh, what do you think? What I you think I want to push the, the a Rav Four? Yeah, no. So Rav Fours are, are fine cars, though, in my opinion. Maybe not for Kanye. 
Uh, <laughs> it prefers the butterfly doors. Yeah, but but yeah. you get a little yin and yang going. So high end, low end, sure. uh, to so you think of you know alluding to what his verse is going to be. Carrie Hilson, I mean. In my opinion, the lyricism isn't like off the charts here with her. Uh, it is telling, like Chris said, said it is that story that you get though. With you know, she's falling in love. She's like, I, I never thought I'd fall for you as hard as I did. Got me thinking about her life and yeah, the kids. So you know, it's like, whoa, I'm starting to feel things and go into those different type of things. Uh, so she's generally falling for this guy, which spoilers a little bit but in the video is kanye actually uh at that time too um neo's verse is pretty good uh you, you know you think of you think of his verse it's very smooth there's a lot going on with it uh one of the funny things is and you might remember this too is that it on the radio they actually bleeped out pimp ship so like a ship that you would either you know fly in the air or you would uh, you know you know a spaceship I think more so or like you are sailing. Uh, maybe it sounded too close to shit, but they literally would uh, bleep out pimp ship. So it'd be pimp. That's, that's exactly it. why. Yeah, but I it was just funny. I was like, this isn't Ridiculous. like bad like at all. Well, you think about it. There's a lot of space themes here. You know, Neo's talking about blasting his pimp ship up high. And yep. then Kanye goes into NASA mentions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, we're extraterrestrial in this song. Yeah, so I, I always thought that that line was, was kind of funny. What is a pimp ship? Uh, who knows? Uh, also, pimp edited out. Yeah, it was edited out on the radio. Um, and of course, the famous line, at least I think it's the most famous line with Neo, uh, when he does his Miss Independent, um, it's the same exact notes as in his hit song miss independent too so uh they do it in the same exact way so little plug of course uh for for neo uh miss independent is is a huge song in its own right uh very catchy too but i thought it was interesting that it was the same exact notes uh my ear is not trained as well as others but you're like it sounds so familiar but it is actually the same exact notes um too. And then after Neo uh, does his verse, he comes in on the hook with Carrie Hilson and, and adds those little bit of flares. So it's kind of like this love story where it's like, oh, now now the other guy's coming in. It's Neo that's coming into the, the chorus and it's kind of you know going up and up into Kanye's uh, verse as well. And there are a couple little tidbits to think about with Kanye. Uh, the first thing will be literally maybe the most Kanye thing uh, in the entire world. Uh, He, uh, they said it was a last minute job uh, in the way, which no surprise with the life of Pablo drop and him, you know, changing things, late releases as well too. Um, He laid down his rhymes the same day that in a perfect world was being remastered in Canada actually um and it was said that Hilson said that Kanye had 60 bars for this verse and for those of you who don't know 60 bars for a verse is like I mean like it, not this long but it's like a milli basically like think of the song a milli it's all one like verse it's so long uh usually you get you ask someone for a 16 um in there too so think of like bars four beats per bar uh so 60 is crazy uh (laughs) i don't know like uh, but you know nothing like kanye going above and beyond they ended up getting it down to 20 
which is still not short for, uh, I mean, it's still not quite what you're thinking of uh, a typical verse as well. Um, and the quote here is pretty funny. It was long as hell, and there was a lot of drama because we had to shorten his verse. And if I could be a fly on the wall in that recording studio with Kanye <laughs> trying to shorten it down and saying, no way, uh, it would be funny in its own right. So kind of a little bit yeah, of really. a classic Kanye in that way. Um, and Stefan alluded to this before too, but his line where he says, tell me now, can you make it past your Casper so we can finally fly off into NASA? So the, the themes as well, extraterrestrial space. Um, you was always the cheerleader of my dream that seemed to only date the head of football teams. And I was the class clown that always kept you laughing. Um, so the ghosts of course, in this will be the exes of, of Carrie Hilson, uh, NASA flying off into NASA, uh, and you think of the cheerleaders, class clown, uh, usually cheerleader dates the jock, uh, at least stereotypically in those things, and um, Kanye kind of has that little goofy attitude, so kind of maybe a play off of his own. Um, next line will be, hey young, or the next line that I break it down is, hey young world, I'm the new slick Rick. Uh, that's yeah, that, that's just a good line. Hey, Young World is, is a Slick Rick song, so that one's pretty straightforward, uh, in that way. Uh, Slick Rick, if you guys don't know, or for those of you who don't know, one of the not the first with hip hop, but early on in the hip hop game, so kind of giving a little nod there, um, to Woe is Me, Baby, This is Tragic, Cause We Had It, We Was Magic. Uh, this one actually, I looked up, this was actually a cool line that you wouldn't think of. Um, Woe is Me means I am distressed, sad, grieved. It already appears in the Bible, actually, with Woe is Me that I sojourn in, in Mesech, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar, which is actually Psalms 125. And Shakespeare also used that in Hamlet too so uh not a unique line in the way but how he kind of breaks it in when you just listen to it you're like oh what was me you know that, that's it but it actually has a little bit deeper meaning uh with christian values which you know Con kanye holds too and then of course maybe the most two famous lines in the entire song it's been alluded to several times uh I was flying, now I'm crashing. This is bad, real bad. Michael Jackson. Uh, bad seventh album by Michael Jackson, released back in 1987. Um, this was actually um, five years after uh, Thriller was released, too. Um, Kanye is stating how the relationship is deteriorating in that way. Um, that's something I think people still say to this day. Michael Jackson bad, you know? So, like, to actually mm -hmm. throw in, this is bad, real bad, Michael Jackson. And then to follow it with, now I'm mad, real mad, Joe Jackson. That's that's just a, I mean, you, you look a little bit deeper into it. Jackson mm -hmm. 5 type of thing. So, of course, with the Jackson 5, they said that Joe Jackson might have been... Who knows what he was, you know, telling the kids. Abusing his kids. Yeah, yeah well, yes, he was. So, like, that's the thing. Is, like, it's the original show dad. Yeah, so you get... Like, every connotation of that. And you get the, the that, too. So, this is bad, real bad, Michael Jackson. Now I'm mad, real mad, Joe Jackson. And then he says, you should leave your boyfriend now. I'm going to ask him. You know, just a little bit to length or close it up on his 20 lines that there's 20 bars that he had <laughs> instead of the 60. Uh, and then we actually haven't talked about this, but there are the album version and the, uh, radio, radio version, edits. uh, the radio edits, of course, to shorten it down. The 
album version is way this is the part that I love uh, with Carrie Hilson coming back in. Uh, Gotta see the good, the bad, I'm feeling sad. Uh, and then she literally lets out woes. You know, so she goes, whoa, whoa. And I know we do this. I let out my woes uh, when I'm sad. Uh, and I know, <laughs> know some of us here do too. It's uh, healthy. Yeah, so when you let out a woe, out. you're like, oh, man, man, there it goes. So Carrie Hilson is literally... Woeing. I don't think that's exactly how it's supposed to be, but she's letting out her woes uh, in this portion, too. So uh, that's a breakdown of the lyrics that I got. Any others that stand out to you or that you guys wanted to add? Oof. I mean, no, but I, I, it is another one of those things where it's like, why would you cut out that bridge? Oh, yeah. No, that, <laughs> no one <laughs> learns. No one, no one listens uh, in that no way. Much. But it is just those ton of one liners that stick in your head even to this day now that we have broken down the the song and dissected it we're going to get into some segments the first segment that we're going to do um is a new one and it's a pretty self-explanatory one and that will be did it age like wine or did it age like milk did it age like wine or did it age like milk Kind of how it sounds. You leave milk in the fridge too long, goes bad. Uh, or you let wine sit, it gets better. So, Chris, what do you think? Did this age like wine or did it age like milk? I mean, I kind of I kind of alluded to it, but I think wine because it is a pretty timeless song. Um, every single artist here brought their A-game. I mean, and not to not to harp on Kanye, but this is... One of this is one of the most collaborative, like truly collaborative I've ever heard him on a song. Like he doesn't try to steal the show. I mean, he he does Kanye about it in terms of how much he sends in, but he but in terms of the final product, he's just he's a very fitting part of what's uh, what's happening here. I mean, you know, we kind of alluded to it as well. Neo, uh, this is this is definitely one of many high points for him, and Carrie just is incredible to think of uh i mean if this is if this is going to be her peak this is a hell of a peak yeah absolutely the way that you say it too is like collaboration with kanye after he went up on stage at vmas and did the stupid thing that he did and said you don't deserve the award you know taylor swift and then goes into isolation and really just stays with his group you know you think of good music you think of the people that he goes to being able to collaborate like this and maybe be one of those last true collaborations is, is pretty oh, crazy. I guess now that you say it, this was like probably a couple months before that. Yeah. Yeah. Too. So, Stefan, what do you think? Did, did it age like wine, like Chris said? Oh, yes. Like one of the finest wines. If you went to a restaurant, this is three, maybe approaching four figures in terms of price. A good wine. It's great fucking wine. And- <laughs> No, it is. It's it's one of those uh, songs I put in my playlist continually, like a pop song from 2009. If it's going to a playlist, I'm just going to like make for a road trip or something. It has to be really great. And this one has mm-hmm. aged really well. Like I, I think everybody did their roles exceptionally well. It was a career highlighting peak, as Chris just mentioned, for Carrie Hilson. An end of an era for Kanye in terms of collaboration and features. And Dio just knocked out of the park himself. So three for three, great song. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I completely agree. It's it is one of those songs that 
I, it was the first song that I put on our list for for tracks to review. Actually, that was one that came into my head right away. That I'm like, we have to do this and, and kind of break it down too. So I think the consensus here is that it did age like wine, a very good wine, four figure wine, according to Stephanie. Ten out of ten grapes. Uh, yeah, if that's, if that's how you rate <laughs> wine, grapes. I'm not. Yeah, a wine we can we can use that as a scale. Yeah, ten <laughs> out of ten grapes uh, <laughs> on there too. Next segment we will get to will be. Let's do the billboard list, actually. So let's break down the billboard list at this time. We know that Knock You Down, when it hit its peak, you said June 20th, right? Yes, the week of June 20th was the first week. It was at number three. All that right. was its peak. So, Stefan, run through the list here uh, for what was on the top ten. Sure. So we have Knock You Down at number three. That leaves two spots, number one and number two, that I want you to guess. The rest I'll run through. But what was number one that week? Think of June 2009. That has to be a Black Eyed Peas Yeah, I was going to say, it has to be Black Eyed Peas. That is correct. I got a feeling. Boom Boom Pow. Ooh. Yeah. See, I mean, well, because that was during the, that was during the, like, 20-week, like, consecutive Black Eyed Peas number one. Yeah. Um. Which is absolutely absurd. I mean, you think about Lil Nas X last year, like that's another, like, it's another level. <laughs> All right. And then what was, no- so number two then? Number two, uh, somewhat of a similar genre, pop rap. I'll just, that'll be my only hint. Hmm. 2009. Was Drake up there at that point? best i ever had no okay was it was it a little wayne's was little wayne in it no it was uh pitbull i know you want me oh okay, <laughs> okay. yeah not the Probably best pitbull song uh, hotel room service is the best pitbull song just throw it out there all right run through the rest of that top 10 <laughs> actually yeah just gonna add that in there actually but uh run through the rest of the top 10 uh four through 10 for us too real quick Sure. Um, so after number three, we have number four, Birthday Sex, Jeremiah. This was the peak of that song, which was surprising to me. Iconic. I think if you think of Jeremiah, you think of that song. Yeah, in general. Classic, classic song. Uh, number five, we had Poker Face by Lady Gaga. It was kind of on its downfall, and it peaked at number one, previous week, number two. Number six, we had another Lady Gaga song, Love Game. Hmm. Number seven was a band I haven't thought about in a very long time. One of the dying screeches of Christian rock, Shine Down, Second Chance. Oh, no. I, I actually don't that. even know what that song is. I, I know that song. I know that song. Sometimes goodbye is a second chance. Oh, yeah, oh much, I did not exactly know that that, that was that song. Okay. That's exactly how that sounds. That was the peak Jesus of that Christ. song. That was beautiful. I forgot about that song entirely. Number eight, we had Halo, Beyonce. Of course. Uh, interesting tidbit about that song. Ryan Tedder of One Republic wrote that song. He also wrote Already Gone for Kelly Clarkson. And Kelly Clarkson was kind of mad because those songs sounded very similar. So there yeah, was <laughs> some beef between Kelly Clarkson and Ryan Tedder for recycling songs. Number nine, we had Fire Burning by Sean Kingston. I forgot about that one. Great song. And then number 10, we had Blame It, 
Jamie Foxx. Oh, <laughs> featuring okay. T Pain. That's a okay. that's a that's an all right top ten. That's a pretty good yeah. top ten if you think about it. I mean, we had the we had Jeremiah, we had Carrie Hilson, you know, we had yeah, two Lady Gagas, Gaga. yeah, yeah. A lot of those and do those are. I mean, they're still putting top ten stuff out now, which is pretty awesome too. Yeah, and then and then there's Shine Down, and then there's Shine Down. <laughs> we can forget about them, I guess. <laughs> God, what the hell? Oh man, less. There, that was a time. That was a time. It, not a good time, but it was a time. We'll, we'll probably be time. breaking down a, a Christian rock, uh, the Christian pop type of song pretty soon, too, actually. So oh, stay yeah. tuned. Yeah, if you think about the 2000s, yeah. you have Switchfoot. I don't know if you put Hoobastank in that genre. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're adjacent. Kind of, but um, yeah, Shinedown definitely falls into that butt rock, <laughs> quasi-Christian yeah. Yeah. vibe. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go to our last segment then as well. Uh, this one will just be kind of an open discussion. Uh, we're going to break down the music video for Knock You Down. Uh, if you haven't seen the music video, go and watch it. It'll, it'll make a lot more sense, honestly. Or just don't watch it and look at our think of our interpretation of the song too uh as you may so i'll kind of break down the the you know song or the music video basically it's like the song is carrie hilson is having you know falling for one guy and had maybe has another guy as well too in there kanye's the so-called you know, he's would be like the boyfriend, you'd think, at this time, right? Um, and Neo is kind of seen as the uh, the bad guy or the person that's coming in as well. So, Stefan, you had some thoughts, I know, about the music video in itself. Absolutely. So, I want to start this out is I think you should start with Miss Independent. Because I have a theory here where there is a connected universe between that music video and this one. In Miss Independent, we have Neo. He is a businessman. However, he's not that high up the ladder. He's going to his advisors, his bosses, who are actually female, hence the song Miss Independent. And there's quite a few of them. And at the two-minute mark, we see a cameo by Miss Carrie Hilson herself. So Neo meets Carrie Hilson in this video. And then let's flash forward to Knocks You Down. And we have Kanye being the established boyfriend. You know, they're close and cuddling. It's quite intimate. He's painting pictures of her. It's cubalism. It's Kanye art. It's quite affectionate. But there's a falling out. Everything Kanye does, of course, yes. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. extravagant. But there's a falling out. And what is that falling out? Carrie Hilson meets Neo. Neo is the newcomer. And I don't know if, you know, maybe she had... A breakup with Kanye, or maybe she met Neo during Kanye, but it doesn't matter. Neo is the new guy, Kanye is the old guy. And I think these two videos are connected because I think she met Neo at work while he was singing to himself Miss Independent. And I looked back and he's wearing a gray fedora in the Miss Independent video. And what is he wearing in the Knock You Down video? Guess. I'm going to say a gray fedora. A gray fedora. The same gray fedora. (laughs) So then a thought triggered in my head. Who directed the Miss Independent video? You probably don't know. Nobody knows the music video. I I, I thought you were going to tell us. (laughs) Well, I I am going to tell you. His name 
is Chris Robinson. Okay. And okay, who, Chris Robinson. Who directed the Knock You Down video? Tell us. Chris Robinson. All right. This guy All right. painted a cinematic universe, the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universes of music videos, and this is a continuing story. So Carrie Hilson meets Neo and Miss Independent. She's dating Kanye. He's painting pictures of her. For some reason, either Kanye is a jerk or maybe she just likes Neo more. She leaves him. And then we pick up in the Knocks You Down video where they're at this art exhibition at their house, supposedly. And the two meet. And then we get the showdown between Neo and Kanye. Please watch the video for Knock You Down. They have a show off. They kind of look angry at each other. It's great. Cinematic excellence. Yeah, I I think it is a a great... I think it's a... I don't know if I want to say it's a great video. It's an entertaining video, (laughs) for sure. Um, I think they dive into those things. Uh, You notice that Kanye is in out of his shutter shade phase. He's wearing the normal sunglasses. Like you said, they're all cuddly. Uh, Kanye actually, for those you didn't know, is he he has painted before. Actually, just recently on Antique Roadshow, uh, he had some paintings of his that someone found and they sold for somewhere like $23,000 or so. So he, he can do some stuff. So maybe Kanye in his own ego was like, Hey, I'm going to paint and I'm going to show the world what I could do uh, in here. But yeah, there are some tiffs and some love uh, story type of things in the, in the, in, in this video. Those paintings that were appraised for 23 K those are his high school paintings. Yeah. So. And the guy went to art school. for That college. is wild. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah, Chris, do you have any thoughts on the video? Did did you remember it before you watched it recently? Honestly, the only part that I remember was Kanye falling and like dissolving into cubes. And the only reason I remember that is because of DJ Earworm. <laughs> it, was, it was a it was a clip in there. Um I I mean, I I vaguely, vaguely remember like seeing it. Um I yeah. I, I don't know. I, I it didn't make a lasting impression on me, but with the context of Miss Independent, maybe it could have. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's a pretty. Uh, I, I mean, now I have to go back and watch Miss Independent. Maybe there's another video oh. too that that we don't even know about that he's. This is in probably or... a trilogy. You're right. Yeah, probably goes deeper. If you guys find it, know. let us know if you find or dig into that uh, <laughs> at all. There's one other thing I deeper. wanted to mention about the Michael Jackson connection. Um, I think at some point, maybe after the second or third verse, after Kanye's, um, he's wearing a glove. Oh, it's a good point. Michael Jackson. And then when he literally yeah. says, this is bad, real bad, Michael Jackson, Carrie Hilson does a crotch grab like MJ used to. So they, they kind of, <laughs> it's October 2009. They're alluding to the fact yeah. he died. So. Damn, I didn't know that, that she did that. Yeah. <laughs> A little mm-hmm. homage. So check out the video. Uh, I noticed that when I was looking at some Carrie songs too, that that one easily was the most watched too. Just a tidbit. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past brought to you by Los Lovely Boys. If you want to hear our episodes as they drop, please subscribe, download, and listen wherever you listen to podcasts most. If you want to add your input on this song, want to give us some suggestions of songs to look into to break down, or just want to give some feedback, you can email us at LLC at gmail.com. For my co-host Chris and Stefan, hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>